Uh, Judges chapter 2, if you could stand to your feet this morning, if you're physically able to. Uh, we want to go ahead and read a little bit of scripture and uh, get into the message this morning. The Bible says in verse number 16, Nevertheless, the Lord raised up judges which delivered them out of the hand of those that spoiled them. And yet they would not hearken unto their judges, but they went a-whoring after other gods and bowed themselves unto them. They turned quickly out of the way which their fathers walked in, obeying the commandments of the Lord, but they did not so. And when the the Lord raised them up judges, then the Lord was with the judge and delivered them out of the hand of their enemies all the days of the judge. For it repented the Lord because of their groanings by reason of them that oppressed them and vexed them. And it came to pass when the judge was dead that they returned and corrupted themselves more than their fathers in following other gods to serve them and to bow down unto them. They ceased not from their own doings nor from their stubborn way. Lord, we sure do love you. Thank you so much for loving us. It certainly is good to be in your house this morning. Lord, we know there's people who are here from all over the Portland area. Some are visiting, some are traveling long distances to come and be in your house today. Lord, we have children's workers that are laboring, Lord, ministering to our children in nursery. Lord, we have our youth workers who are seeking to touch lives in the junior high. Lord, we have uh, uh, ushers and greeters. We have Sunday school teachers who invested heavily in their lesson in their class this morning. Lord, we have prepared musically, Lord, the musicians and, and Lord, the vocalists. And we have sought to glorify you in every aspect. And now we come to you for what we believe is the premier time of the service, the preaching of your words. No, not because of the preacher, Lord, he's just a vessel, but because of your word. It is sharper than any two-edged sword. And Lord, we want your word to be preached, Lord. May you help the preacher to get out of the way and you to flow. Lord, I need your Holy Spirit power today. Lord, there's some in here today that are searching for you. May they find you. There's some maybe who have strayed from you. May they find you again. There are some who are sold out to you and they love you. May they be strengthened and encouraged today. And may we walk away like David and said it was... We are glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. And I pray that you'll do a work that only you can. We love you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Years ago, there was a couple who was married for 60 years. They're 85 years old. And they both passed away on the same day. In fact, the couple had been in very good health the last 10 years primarily due to the wife's interest in healthy eating and exercise. And when they arrived to the pearly gates and came into heaven, Peter met them and escorted them to their beautiful mansion. The husband was amazed at the size of it and the extravagance of it and said, how much is this going to cost? Peter replied, this isn't going to cost you anything. See, this is heaven. The husband and wife made their way to the backyard and were excited to see a beautiful golf course. In fact, Peter went on to say every week the golf course changes to a different model from the most famous courses on earth. The man was once more overjoyed and overwhelmed and he said, how much is this going to cost? What are the green fees? 
Peter said, there are no green fees. You play for free. This is heaven. Peter then escorted them to the buffet, the dining room. And there was food and cuisines from all over the world. The man said, how much does it cost to eat here? He asked hungrily. Peter once again said, it costs nothing. This is heaven. Please understand everything is free. The man looked around and said, wait a minute, as he looked at his wife. Where are all the low-fat and low-cholesterol food? Peter replied, that's the good thing about heaven. You can eat anything and you want and you'll never get fat. You'll never get sick and you'll never die. The man suddenly got angry and threw his hat on the ground and started stomping up and down on it and throwing a temper tantrum. His wife said, what's wrong with you? Calm down. The man looked at his wife and said, if it wasn't for your brand muffins and pushing me to exercise, I would have been here 10 years ago. (laughs) And may I say this morning, (laughs) though that was not a true story, and you should eat your brand muffins and you should exercise, including myself. May I say this morning, sometimes we as Christians can be guilty chasing after the things of the world, the flesh and the devil, when we have the truth and we have the greatest life ever, if we'll just choose to follow Christ. And we have this morning in our text, a group of people, the children of Israel, who did not follow their parents, who were half-hearted at best, but they got to accomplish much And defeating Canaan because of a great leader, Joshua. In fact, one of the greatest leaders to ever lead. But they did not pass down to the next generation. And we learned last week their rebellion turned to a frustrated God. Who then they repented. And God brought a judge and raised him up. And then we see this morning a repetition of the same thing that got them into the very problem they were in. Why? Would a group of people choose to follow after the world, the flesh, and the devil, the things that would cause problems and issues in their home, in their marriages, in their life, selfishness and little gods, if you will, and things that would never bring about joy and happiness? Why would they forsake uh, forsake God to choose that? But what about you and I this morning? I know we're here today because we love God, or we're at least searching for God, or Because our spouse or someone invited us to come, we're here. So why would we ever choose that path, if you will? Well, may I say it doesn't happen by accident. We see, first of all, this morning, if you're writing, I want us to notice the leaning characteristics of this generation. The leaning characteristics of this generation. And we see the nature of their idolatry. And what happens... When the Israelites do not listen to their judge, the person that God put in charge of them to lead them to righteousness and victory. And what happens when we as Christians will not listen to our leader, Jesus Christ? Well, the Bible says in verse number 17, it gives us an answer. The Bible says, and yet they would not hearken unto their judges, but they went a whoring after other gods. Now, the word a whoring is a pretty intense word. But this is a picture of someone who is enslaved and desperate, giving themselves without getting any real love in return. 
And that's what they did. They gave themselves to these little gods, if you will, these idols, and they got nothing in return except for misery, frustration, and sadness. Though for a season they got, in their mind, joy. But it wasn't long term. When we serve an idol, we come into an intense relationship with it. And that idol will use us. But it does not truly care for us. And sometimes we fall in the traps of Satan and we get joy for a season, but it does not truly bring joy. It will eventually bring enslavery. And it will suck out all the joy from us. You see, God sees all sin and idolatry as adultery. You see, God doesn't merely want us to obey him and know him. You say, well, I know for sure I'm going to heaven and I'm obeying God. So I'm right who God wants. But if you really think about it, A citizen does that when he obeys a king. Though he may not love the king or have a relationship with the king, he will do it because he has to. A sheep will follow a shepherd not because he wants to, because he knows if he gets off track, that shepherd's staff's going to come and correct him and get him in place. So what does God want from us? Just simply obedience? I obey. I checked all my boxes today. What does he want from us? I believe... God wants a relationship as a wife and husband loves their spouse. They're in it more than for a commitment, a legal commitment. They do it because they love, truly love and want a relationship with each other. And God wants more than just our obedience or our our fellowship. He wants a personal relationship with us. He wants a time where we grow to know each other. We get to know him and we love him as the bride. We are the bride and he is the bridegroom. He wants us to have a relationship with him. And that's why God responds to his people in verse number 19. And it came to pass when the judge was dead and corrupted themselves more than their fathers and to bow down unto them, they ceased not from their own doings nor from their stubborn way, The Bible says, and the anger of the Lord was hot against Israel. Why was God so upset at them? Because he loved them. He felt jilted, if you will. But he had a forgiving love. He cared about his people. He wanted a relationship with them. He responds in a right anger when they turn from him and go a-whoring, if you will. This anger is as an innocent, jilted lover... But God's love is also of that of a wonderful, loving husband. May I tell us this morning, the relationship God wants us to enjoy is a personal relationship of love and a walk that is daily with him. And so we see a leaning characteristic. What do I mean by that? What is your leaning characteristic? Well, we see it's sin. The Bible says in Psalms 51.5, Behold, I was shapen in iniquity and in sin... Did my mother conceive me? You see, the psalmist knew that he was born a sinner. The Bible says in Jeremiah 17, 9, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? You realize that even in your best state, you're still a sinner. You, have no, you can't help it. You were born into sin. The Bible says, Wherefore is by one man sin into the world and death by sin, so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. We are born into sin. 
Mark 7, verse 21, Jesus says, For from within, out of the heart of men proceed evil thoughts, adulteries, fornication, murders, thefts, covetousness, wickedness, deceit, lasciviousness, an evil eye, blasphemy, pride, foolishness. All of these things come from within and defile the man. Hebrews 3, 12 says, Because you know this, take heed, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief and departing from the living God. You see, what the children of Israel are finding out is what you and I must figure out, that we're born a sinner. Therefore, we are bent to do evil. We're bent towards selfishness. We're leaning characteristic to sin. Now, you and I may not boldly proclaim that. You want to know? Deep down, I'm just a rotten, awful sinner. I'm filthy. I'm dirty. I'm an awful person. No, we don't want to celebrate that. Hey, guess what, babe? What? I'm an awful sinner, you know. That's not what we want to do. We want to come across like we got it all together. We're doing good. But deep down, we have something that only Jesus Christ can cure. The Bible says, for the, for, there is none righteous, no, not one. The Bible says that for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Do you realize this morning that even at your best, you're still not good? Paul says, I die daily. He says, every day I have to deal with this. When I try to do right, I do wrong, and vice versa, and I struggle with this. And in fact, Nicodemus came to Jesus one night and he said, what must a man do to be saved? Now, if you knew who Nicodemus was, he was a ruler of the Jews. He, he was very wise in the word of God. He, 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 had, he did all the check boxes. If there was a good person, it was probably him. And he comes to Jesus and said, What must a man do to be saved? And Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and life. No man comes from the Father but by me. He says, "There, You must be born again. Of water? No, no, of the Spirit. Nicodemus, there must come a time when you realize, no matter how good you think you are, you're not going to be good enough because you've missed the mark. You're bent to do wrong. You were born a sinner. You're not perfect. And because of that, the Bible says, for the wages of sin is death. Nicodemus, unless you give your life to Christ, you're going to die and go to hell. That's your penalty. Now, I don't know about you, but if we're not careful in our pride, we can get upset about that. The world can get upset about that. You're telling me that I need a Savior? And that's basically what Jesus Christ is telling us. You have no hope without the precious shedding blood of Jesus Christ. And so we see the leaning characteristic. These people served other idols and other gods because they couldn't but help it. They leaned that way. My dear friend, you and I lean that way as well. We were born in sin. We must have a Savior. We must have a Jesus Christ who will lead us. He will save us. But I want us to see this leaning characteristic turned into laborious choice for the children of Israel. So number two, if you're writing, we see a laborious choice. Their leaning characteristic brought them to a Y in the road, if you will. They had a choice to make now. The Bible says to, who, to whore after other gods by choosing to follow, serve, and obey them. In fact, Jesus Christ, or God, expressed their love. He says, you express my, I express my love to you that in your sin and your disobedience, and your rebellion, I choose to bring a Savior. And that Savior is a judge. The Bible says in verse number 17, they would not hearken to this judge. They had to choose where to look for salvation. God says, I raised up a judge. I've raised up, you got to choose. Choose to follow this judge. But they chose 
to follow the little G-gods, if you will, the idols. The Bible says in verse number 18, the Lord raised them up judges. The Lord was with the judges. But in chapter 10, verse 14, God is so frustrated with them. He said, go and cry unto the gods which ye have chosen. Let them deliver you in the time of tribulation. We see two saviors were risen up. The judge that God had raised up and the false gods that the people had raised up, the Canaanites had raised up. And they're at a Y in the road. Because of their leaning characteristic, this choice, which to me and you, as we look at the children of Israel, we say, why would you pick that? I mean, you're talking about uh, uh, Canaanites who will never have mercy on you, never a gracious. In fact, they'll gladly, when God delivers them into your hand, they'll gladly allow you, uh, cause you grief and suck everything from you. They'll cause frustration to you. They'll, they'll cause a, a arduous a lifestyle of trying, uh, becoming enslaved. But if you choose God, you get victory. Why was it such a laborious choice for them? Why could they not just choose to serve God? Why is it such a laborious choice for us? You say, what do you mean, Pastor Justin? Why do we struggle so much with doing right on a daily basis? We know the effects of sin and what it can do for us, do we not? We see it all throughout Scripture. But yet, on a daily basis, we struggle with the flesh, the world and the devil, the lust of the flesh that are coming into us. And we have to make a choice on a daily basis. Both of these saviors, if you will, one displayed, displayed grace and compassion. The Bible says in verse number 18, it repented the Lord because of groaning, oppressed, and vexed these people were. Despite their unfaithfulness and in his compassion, he saves them. Despite their rebellion, their disobedience, they're turning their back on him. They're, they're spitting in his face, if you will, choosing the very people that he said you need to destroy. Choosing the very gods that he says, don't ever bow to, don't ever hearken to him. They chose him and even in their worst possible moment, they cried out to God and God repented of his thinking. He said, you know what? I feel so bad for them. I'm going to show grace and mercy. I'm going to give them what they do not deserve because I love them. But yet they find themselves choosing the false gods. The sins of this world that enslave us, that grab a hold of us. Why was it such a difficult choice for them? They become stubborn and enslaved in verse number 19. They're following other gods to serve them. And I see this this morning. False gods promise much but deliver nothing. In 1939, just before the outbreak of World War II, Germany and Russia signed the Motlodtov Ribbentrop Pact. This treaty promised that neither nation would attack each other. And it laid out a plan for how they would divide the nations of Europe between them. Great pact. They both signed it. But two years later, without warning or provocation, Adolf Hitler sent his tanks across the Russian border and a sneak attack. You see, Hitler had no interest in keeping his word, but the treaty was meant only as a temporary measure until he could do what he wanted. My dear friend this morning, teenager, young adult, couple, I want to encourage you this morning with just thought. The devil will tell you anything you want to hear to get what he, to get you to do what he wants you to do. I think of Adam and Eve. And they were in the garden having a wonderful relationship with God on a daily basis. And then they were told there was one tree you cannot have, one apple you cannot have. And Satan came to them. And said, hey, if you'll take this, you'll become as gods. So they took it. And they ended up getting kicked out of the garden. One of their sons ended up killing his brother. 
What a devastating thing that happened to this family. May I say this morning, Satan will promise much, but he is a master liar. In fact, in John 8, verse 44, Jesus said he's the father of lies. And Matthew 4, 3, he's referred to as the tempter. The devil breaks, breaks every promise he makes, and he never delivers what he leads us to expect. And while sin may be enjoyable for a season, the Bible says in Hebrews eleven twenty five, then to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season, we know that it always leads to a bitter end. Every temptation we face is rooted in a lie. In fact, one famous evangelist preached a sermon called, All Satan's Apples Have Worms. And no matter how attractive or appealing sin is made to look, may I tell you this morning, the wages of sin are still death. And though temptations promise much, they never deliver. They will deliver, but not what you think they will. So this morning I want us to see that these people, the children of Israel, they were inclined to do wrong. And because of that, they had a, a choice they had to make. You and I have a choice to make. What will that choice be? Will it be to serve God? Which that's a no-brainer if you look at the end of the book. Or is it to be susceptible to all the things that the world and the flesh and the devil promise? What is it? What should we choose? What's your choice this morning? Well, it's interesting that the children of Israel had a choice, but they chose wrong. I want us to see, third of all, limited compromise. You see, they didn't necessarily choose wrong. They chose to incorporate both together. Now, isn't that something that we're tempted to do? We love God on Sunday. What about Monday through Saturday? If we're not careful, we can try to marry the two together and pick and choose what we want. And that's what these people did. The Bible says in verse number 19, in following other gods, they totally swapped the true God for an alternative. In verse number 13, we saw Baal and Ashtaroth. They were sensual, carnal, and immoral aspects of human nature. And it gives us a thinking this morning that it is humanly possible to worship many gods at the same time. You see, the Canaanite religion was a mix-max religion. You see, they didn't believe there was a creator over them. They created their gods, their idols. Therefore, they believed that because they created them, they were over the charge of them. In other words, you don't have to serve and worship a creator. You can serve yourself because you created the gods and the idols. And the children of Israel saw that and they were attracted to it. Oftentimes we wonder, why did Israel not want to choose to worship God? Why did they choose to worship idols? Well, I got this graph uh, uh, and I looked at it and I, I wanted to share it with you this morning. Worshiping God was long-range benefits. Worshiping idols was short-range benefits. In other words, they got it right away. Worshiping God, it took a while sometimes to get the benefits. Worshiping God was long-term gratification. Worshiping idols was self-gratification was immediate. In fact, right away, I could get gratification. Worshiping God was, mor morality was required. 
But worshiping idols, sensuality was encouraged. In other words, you don't need to be moral to worship idols. Worshiping God was highly ethical standards. Worshiping idols was low ethical standards were tolerated. Worshiping God was an unseen God. Worshiping idols was visual idols that they could see. Worshiping God was unselfishness expected. But worshiping idols was selfishness was encouraged. Worshiping God, business relations were hindered. Because you had to be ethical and moral about it. But worshiping idols, business relationships were improved. Because they were more accepted. Worshiping God, uh, a changed life was demanded. Worshiping idols, changed life was not demanded. Worshiping God, concern for others were taught. Worshiping idols, you don't need concern for others. You live for yourself. So do you understand this morning why the children of Israel were tempted to go that direction? Why? Because worshiping God was so much harder. But it was so much more worth it in the end. But worshiping idols were so much easier. And it, it satisfied the flesh and it gratified what they wanted, the essential thing. Right and they fall prey to that. But I'm going to encourage you this morning that this begs the question, how can we know if Christ is Lord over every area of our life? In other words, how can we know if worshiping God and worshiping idols is clearly separated in our life? Well, first of all, we need to filter everything through, we must identify the false gods of our society. Now, I'm not saying these are wrong, but Money, career, sports, prestige, possessions, ambitions, time, all these things can, can, can grab at us and can, can and tangle us. And we have to learn what's most important. We need to look honestly at each area of our life and say, am I willing to do whatever God says about this area? Am I willing to accept whatever God sends in this area? I want to use an illustration here how this is practical in my life. So, about, well, 17 years ago now, now well, about 13 years ago, I got an opportunity to come to Beaver Creek, Oregon and knock doors for a summer. Now, I'm a Midwest boy. I love cornfields. One of the prettiest things in all the world is to see a sunset by a silo bend and see flat as far as you can see. Now, some of you get bored with that. You see, our hills were dumps, you know. But I remember coming out here saying, all right, Pastor Mutcher, I'm going to come here for three months, not a day more. And I get to experience the West Coast. After three months, I had graduated from college already, and we had had this conversation about maybe staying here longer. And I thought, no, I'm going to stay in Oregon. I'm going to go back to Indiana. But I just couldn't get it. Finally, I said, all right, I'll stay for two years, not a day more in two years. That two years turned into four years. And I said, not a day more on the West Coast. So I moved to California. <laughs> and we planted a church. I told God, God, I'll give you just a year or two here. Turned into eight years. And finally, God started working in my heart to come up to Oregon. I said, God, why not Indiana? I mean, that makes perfect sense. My family's there. You know, my dad's business is there. There's got to be people in Indiana that still need saved, you know. Oh, let me just go back there. And God says, no, I'll keep you on the West Coast. In fact, when I told our church that God was moving us, they said, it's going to be 
I'm in the Midwest, right? I said, no, it's Portland, Oregon. And they said, that must be God leading. <laughs> but I'll never forget thinking, God, I'm going to give in to what you want. Because what I want is to be as far away from the West Coast as I can get. And I want to encourage you this morning. By the way, I have fallen in love with it and we just love it here. But whether I did or not, it doesn't matter. We've got to do what God wants. And by the way, God can make anywhere in the world the best place in all the world if you let him. But what I learned years ago, well, a few months ago, is God, you can have my home state. Even though I was a little upset yesterday when they got beat by Michigan, Brother TJ. So, you know, I tease, of course. But my point I'm getting at is, you know what, God, you can have it. You can have what you want. I love my family. But you've given me another family here. I, I love my cornfields. But you've given me grass here. Green grass. You've given me Mount Hood and the ocean. God, I, just take it. Just take it. It's yours. My question to you this morning is simply this. We all have a leaning characteristic, do we not, to sin. And you have a choice to make. Do I want to choose to follow God or choose to follow the world, the flesh, and the devil? And in that choice, oftentimes Christians can do this simple thing. I'm not going to choose one or the other. I want to choose the middle and get the best from both ends. And what happens to them? God says, "Uh -uh, uh-uh, uh-uh. That's not going to work. Because I have a purpose for you. I'm a holy God. I've called you to live holy lives, 1 Peter 1, verse 14. As obedient children, not fashioning yourselves according to the former lust and your ignorance, but as he which hath called you is holy, so be you holy in all manner of conversation, because it is written, be you holy, for I am holy. Do you know why God says I can't have you be half-hearted and then in the middle? Because I have a job for you to do. I have a purpose for you to fulfill. I have a need. I created you for a purpose. And I can't have you be in the middle. I can't have you going to church on Sunday and living your life like Monday through Saturday and and never clearly deciding who you're following because I have a purpose for you. And we see that in the children of Israel's life, life. And last of all, I want us to see the lively charge. The lively charge. The reason why he could not have these people being half hearted is because he had something for them to do, and that was to accomplish Canaan. The Bible says in verse 21, I also will not henceforth drive out any from before them of the nations which Joshua left when he died. He says, hey, I had a job for you to do and I was going to use you to do it and you're going to do an amazing thing, but I will not do it now unless you choose you to stay who you will serve. Why did he leave some of the people in the land? Look at verse 22, that through them I may prove Israel. You see, by leaving Israel, the Canaanites in the land, he knew that they were going to be tempted. But he left them in the land and he did not destroy them because he wanted this generation to realize, I can't be half-hearted. I can't be in the middle. I must choose which side I'm on because I want to prove them. Proverbs 3, 5, trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not into thine own understanding. He left them there to force them to lean totally on God. Not on their little gods, not on their little possessions, not on their little temptations, but to lean wholly on God and to prove them. 
verses 1 and 2 of chapter 3. Now these are the nations which the Lord left to prove Israel by them, even as many of Israel as had not known all the wars of Canaan, only that the generations of the children of Israel might know to teach them war, at least such as before, nothing knew thereof. God says, I wasn't teaching them how to fight. I didn't want the greatest soldiers in all the world. No, I wanted the team to teach, to learn the ways of war so they knew how I worked. You see, Jericho wasn't a great military victory of swords and shields. It was a great military victory of a group of people who leaned totally on God and did exactly what he said. And I want to encourage us this morning that David Jackman said this, and the hope that this will develop their dependence upon him in every situation of need. And I want to encourage you this morning. Maybe God isn't so interested in your talents and your gifts and your ability. By the way, he can use them if you let him, but he's not so much interested in that. He's interested in a young man or a young lady or an older gentleman or an older lady who says, God, it's not about what I have to offer. It's about me being willing to obey what you would have me do. And I'm simply going to go and allow you to conquer Canaan through me. Not because of what I have to offer, but because I'm willing to go and I'm willing to go out by faith and I'm willing to be challenged by the things of this world and I'm going to be challenged by my faith growing and there's no way I can do it. But God says, if you'll go, I'll do it through you. And I want to encourage you this morning, when you feel like you do not have what God wants from you to do, just trust him and say, God, maybe you want to do a Jericho through me And I can't swing a sword or a shield very well. But I do know one thing. I can march around the city seven times and then seven times and then blow a trumpet and watch you tear down the walls in my life. And so this morning we see there was no room for compromise. Why was there no room for compromise? Because God says, I will not defeat this land unless you choose me and me alone. So I encourage you this morning, dear Christian, dear teenager, dear young adult, dear couple, There may be some battles in your Christian life that you are right in the middle. You like both sides. You can't quite choose which way you're on. And God says, until you choose and you're all in, I am not going to help you win those battles. But when you choose and you're all in, I will do something great through you. We must... Daily battle sin in the flesh. What did they do? Look at verse 5. They lived among the other nations. They became like other nations in verse 6. They gave in to their sinful desires and lived as opinions around them, doing evil and glorifying idols. And God's great purpose was not completed because of that. What's your and I great purpose for God in our life today? Well, go ye therefore in all the world and teach the gospel, baptizing them in the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. What's our job? Our job is to declare the gospel, to teach people, to train them, and send them out to be able to do it again. And we cannot do that to the effect that God would have us to unless we're all in with God. Say, God, I trust you and I obey you. I'm going to do it. We too must daily battle sin in the flesh through the world's philosophies. We are going to be faced daily with that decision, that laborious choice. What am I going to choose? May I encourage us to choose First Peter Two eleven, dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lust, which war against the soul. Having your conversation, your lifestyle honest among the Gentiles, that whereas they speak against you as evildoers, they may by your good works, which they shall behold, glorify God in the day of visitation. Say, Pastor Justin, I struggle with temptation. What do I do? 
Romans 6, 6, knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. God never intended for you to be a slave to sin, the world, the flesh, and the devil. He intended you to have victory through him. 1 Corinthians 10, verse 13, you say, how do you know that? Well, the Bible says, there hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful. Who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you are able, but will with the temptation also make a way of escape that ye may be able to bear it. You know, God's, God gives us his word. He wants us to avoid temptation when possible. He wants to us to avoid ungodly friends. He wants us to ask for help. And he wants us to yield to the spirit. By the way, the biggest thing that we can ever do is allow his grace to develop our holiness. Titus 2.11, For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. So what can we learn today? Well, first of all, you must come to the realization that no matter how unpopular it is, that we have a leaning characteristic towards sin. And we have to deal with that. And you can try to do it on your own. But my dear friend, you will not get victory over it until you give your life to Jesus Christ. Do you realize you're a sinner and that sin is sending you to hell? The Bible says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. No matter how good you are, no matter how awesome you are, no matter how hard you try, you're not going to be good enough. So let me encourage you today to quit trying to be good enough. It's been done and taken care of already by Jesus Christ. The Bible says, but God commendeth, God gave his love toward us, and that while we are yet sinners... Christ died for us. Do you believe, will you believe this morning that Jesus Christ was willing to come to earth and die on an old rugged cross and was beaten and mangled and his blood was shed to cover your sin and mine? You say, well, Pastor Justin, you have it all together. You grew up in church. You have a mom and dad that love God. Your dad was a deacon. Your mom was a Sunday school teacher. I mean, you went to a Christian school. So of course you're saved. No, 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 no. That had nothing to do with my salvation. I don't care how you were raised or what side of the tracks you were on, or how bad of parents you had, or how good of parents you had. I don't care what you've done wrong or what you haven't done wrong. I want to encourage you today that every single person must come to the realization that we're bent to do wrong, and Jesus Christ is only the only answer there is. The Bible says, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believed in him should not perish but of everlasting life. Will you realize this morning that the only hope you have is through Jesus Christ? By the way, he's the most loving God in all the world. And you say, well, if God was loving, why would he send us to hell? He didn't create hell for us. He created hell for devil and his angels. But for those who deny and reject him, that's where we're going to go. That's why he gave a free gift of salvation. Will you come to Christ today? You say, well, that's got to be hard to do. Give me the list of 10 things I need to do. No, 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 it's easy. It's putting your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, repenting of your way of thinking, and accepting Jesus Christ into your life. Second of all, I want to encourage you, if you do not know Christ as your Savior, get saved. But second of all, maybe you do know for sure you're going to heaven. May you realize that your leaning characteristic is the sin, and because of that, you're going to have a choice on a daily basis. Will I go in the quagmire of the devil and follow him? Or will I decide to live for God and do right? What is your choice going to be? 
And by the way, you have to determine which choice it is because if you do not choose a choice, you will lead to compromise. And you'll do what you want to, and you'll please God when you want to, and because of that, you'll, you'll you'll just be frustrated in your Christian life. You have to make a choice. May I encourage you to accept God's charge because God has a purpose for you and he doesn't want to use half-hearted, weak people. He wants to use people who are all in for him. So may I encourage you today to decide, God, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I don't want to compromise anymore. I want to accept your charge. I want, you're going to prove me and I want to trust you and I'm going to let you prove me and I'm going to let you, you conquer the land through me. Maybe there's someone here today that would say, you know what? Pastor Justin, I'm just burdened today. I, I'm overwhelmed by a financial need, a physical need, a relationship issue. I just don't know what to do. May I encourage you that there is a Savior, Jesus Christ, who doesn't want to just be a one-time Savior for you. He wants to be Lord of your life, and he wants to lead you and guide you and take care of you. Will you give it to him today? Will you just trust him? Every head bowed, every eye closed this morning. With heads bowed and eyes closed, I am confident that there's someone in this room that maybe for the first time you realize what God did for you on Calvary, and it is enough for you now, and you're willing to accept him. With heads bowed and eyes closed, how many would say, you know what, Pastor Justin? I know without a doubt that if I were to die right now, I don't know for sure where I'd go. I'm guessing I'd probably go to hell because I've sinned, but I don't want to go there. This is all new to me. I'm searching out the truth. I'm trying to figure out. But I know without a doubt that I need a Savior. And if I were to die right now, I don't know where I'd go, but I want to know for sure I'm going to heaven. I want Jesus Christ in my life. I want him to be my Lord and Savior. Nobody's looking around. I don't want to embarrass anyone. But how many would say, you know what, that's me, Pastor Justin. I want to invite Jesus Christ to my life. I want him to be my Savior this morning. If that's you, will you slip up your hand this morning? Anybody? Anybody? Maybe in the balcony? I see that hand. God bless you. Anybody else this morning? I see that hand. God bless you. Anybody else this morning? Just say something like this. By the way, most of the people in here have done this, okay? So they're excited for you. Don't be embarrassed. Say this in your heart. Say, dear Jesus. You don't have to say it out loud. Just say it in your heart. Dear Jesus. I know I'm a sinner and I deserve to go to hell but I don't want to go there. Please come to my heart and take me to heaven when I die. I believe and trust in you and invite you into my heart. Thank you, Jesus. With heads bowed and eyes closed, no one looking around, If you just prayed that prayer, would you just slip your hand up again real quick? God bless you. God bless you. Amen. Praise the Lord. Anybody else this morning? You say, you know what, Pastor Justin, I know for sure I'm going to heaven, but I'll be honest with you. I realize I have a leaning characteristic towards sin. I I, I have, that's just part of me. And though I've given my life to Christ, I've been struggling with these choices on a daily basis. Will you pray for me this morning that I'll make the right choice in my day-to-day life to serve the Lord? If that's you, slip up your hand. God bless you. God bless you. Maybe that would some, they would say, you know what, Pastor Justin, because I failed to make a choice, it's led to compromise in my life. And I'm just praying that God will take this compromise from me and I'll just decide to do right. If that's you, slip up your hand. God bless you. God bless you. Last but not least, there's a charge here. 
God has a purpose for you. He has a purpose for every teenager, every young adult, every parent, every grandparent. He has a purpose for every single person in here. And maybe you say, you know what, Pastor Justin, will you pray as God proves me that I will accept the challenge and just decide to obey so he can work through me so I can do what he wants me to accomplish with my life. If that's you this morning, will you slip up your hand? I want to pray for you. God bless you all over. I see those hands. Lord, you saw the hands. You know the hearts. Thank you for the few that raise their hand for salvation. What a great, great, wonderful thing. May they know that you're their Heavenly Father now and that you love them. You want to get to know them. You want to build a relationship with them. And you want a relationship of, of just a, more than just them obeying you and knowing you, but an intimate relationship of developing a close walk with you. Or be with those this morning that are struggling with uh, daily walks of life and making the right choices. I pray that they will not compromise, but they'll make the right choices. Be with those who you're proving, Lord, right now. You're proving them. I pray that they'll trust you and watch you do something great. Lord, thank you so much for loving us. Be with those who are carrying a burden today that are overwhelmed, that are burdened. I pray that you'll work in their life. We sure do love you, Lord. In Jesus' name. We're going to have an invitation, but before we stand and the piano plays, I want to invite you to come and spend some time with God. Our pastors are down here. They want to pray for you. They want to help you. Some of you are, are making that next decision of, of baptism. Maybe you, you raise your hand for salvation. You'd like one of our pastors to pray with you. They'd love to. We don't want to embarrass you. We want to encourage you. There are some that maybe need to take that next step in their Christian walk of joining the church, or maybe they just need, uh, you need to make a decision today. If you could stand to your feet at this time, the piano is going to play. And we're going to have an invitation. I know several are coming forward for baptism this morning. Maybe some for church membership. And maybe others that just need to make a decision with God. Maybe you raise your hand for salvation and you'd like to come forward. We'd love to pray with you this morning. And so I want to encourage you with that. are bowed, eyes are closed. Brother Justin's getting ready to baptize several. What's the spiritual decision God wants you to make today? What's that decision for Christ? What a powerful message we heard this morning about the conflict in the Christian life and we have to choose or else we find ourselves compromising between God and the world. Let the Lord speak to your heart. God where you are. Let God know the cares of your life. God bless you. May be seated. 
We have the Reeser family, Chris and Amy, Summer and Jora. As a family, they are following the Lord in baptism. And so what a blessing, what a special blessing that it is to see a family uh, follow the Lord in baptism on the same day. And so we're going to see that in just a minute. As um, one of the announcements earlier about the uh, Sam the Soup Man, uh, Sam is from Turkey, and uh, he has gone over there every year and got the best materials and was able to uh, design those suits. And for many years, he's been going up and down the West Coast, and our church was one of those he stopped at. Well, it's been several years because of COVID, Uh, but uh, he comes with a trailer full of suits and ties and sports coats of all different sizes, and I guarantee you, you won't find better quality, but he also sells them for $80, and so if you're looking for something like that at a very good price, then you will want to go look. I believe the trailer will be here on the east side of the church near the drive through so be mindful of that. Also, Tom and Tommy Garnett is following the Lord in baptism as well, and so that'll be six here this morning that we'll be able to see follow the Lord in believers' baptism, and what a special blessing that is. One of the things we've always enjoyed here at Grandview is every single Sunday seeing people come to faith in Christ and almost every Sunday seeing people follow the Lord in baptism. Now, I wish you knew how rare that is. I travel and preach uh, in many different places around America, and they don't get to see that on a regular basis. God has always, right from the start, allowed us to see phenomenal things, people making decisions for Christ. And by the way, that's the great commission of the church, is to win people to Christ, make disciples, and, and baptism is the first step of Christian obedience. So you've got to see that happen as well. Now, I know some churches save them up and do a certain thing or maybe send them through a course. We've been asked, why don't we do that? Well, because it's nowhere mentioned in the Bible. The Philippian jailer was baptized that very night that he trusted Christ. The Ethiopian eunuch says, here's water. Can I get baptized? He just placed faith in Christ. Uh, That is the Bible, the biblical examples. You get saved, you get baptized. Then your understanding in the things of God starts growing. So get saved, get baptized, start growing in the Lord. And so that's what membership and church involvement is all about. Thank you so much for all your love. We're going to watch the next video, and then we'll see several get baptized here this morning. Good morning, and thank you for joining us today. We hope this morning's sermon with Pastor Justin Lehman was a blessing to you. Join us tonight at 5 for the continuation of our series of 2 Thessalonians by Pastor Lehman, as well as a presentation by Charles Osgood, missionary to Ghana, West Africa. Teenagers, don't miss the Missionary Appreciation Overtime teen activity that will follow our evening service. We're getting ready for a musical Christmas production and could use your help. 
If you are interested in joining the orchestra, adult choir, teen choir, or children's Christmas choir, please see Kristen Vestal. Choir and orchestra practice has started and are every Sunday at 3.45 p.m. Practices for the teens and children's choir will be announced soon. Don't miss our Missions Emphasis Day Sunday, October 23rd with Dave Maskey, missionary to Nigeria, who will be speaking for us. We will be sharing updates from some of our missionaries on the field, and everyone will have an opportunity to decide how they can be involved in worldwide missions. Join us as we celebrate the work of Christ being done around the world. For all of our senior saints, Miss Vicki and I want to invite you to come to Cracker Barrel next Tuesday at 10 o'clock. We are going to have breakfast together. Or you can eat anything you want. I mean, you don't have to have breakfast. But we like breakfast. We like breakfast there. And we're going to have it. We hope you will join with us at 10 o'clock. Either meet at the church at 930 or meet us there at 10 o'clock and come for a great time. We're going to have fun, so you be there. We are so excited uh, for our Trunk or Treat Sunday coming up October 30th at 5 p.m. Many of you have helped us with this event in the past, and we're so thankful for it. We are so excited for another year of Trunk or Treat. Uh, There's a few things that you could do to help us out. Number one, we would love for you to sign up. Decorate a trunk, uh, have a theme, uh, things like that. Have a small game. It's going to be a great time. A few other ways that you could help us out is uh, we will have a bin on the information desk for candy. Uh, If you'd like to come and bring some candy, some prepackaged candy, we'd love for you to be able to do that. Uh, Maybe that's not something you'd be able to do. What we're going to do this year as well is we have a designated section in our giving where if you go online to give or if you want to put it in your envelope right there and just put trunk or treat, uh, we'll be able to go out and purchase the candy needed. Uh, for this special event. We are so excited for all that God has in store for Trunk or Treat this year, and we hope that you're planning on getting involved with this wonderful event. Mrs. Vicki has been traveling out of town quite a bit recently, but will hold ladies' Bible studies on the dates she's available. Stop by the welcome desk after the service to pick up a card which lists the Bible study dates. If this is your first or second time here, we want to answer your questions and get to know you. Please fill out the Connect card in the pew in front of you and bring it to guest services as you exit the auditorium. We would love to meet you and you will receive a gift card. Have a great afternoon and we'll see you tonight at 5. We have uh, two families getting baptized today and they both want to join the church as well. And so uh, Tom and Tommy will come in first. So Tom accepted Christ several years ago and started uh, attending our, of course the kids were in the school at first, but now they're attending the church. And we went through discipleship together and on Wednesday night and we shared about our salvation and baptism, he said, well, I need to do that. And so he's following in baptism. And then we started talking about his son, Tommy, and he got to go home and go through the discipleship book on the gospel of salvation. And Tommy accepted Christ as the Savior, and he wants to get baptized as well. And then also Esther, his wife is up here going to be taking pictures, and they want to join the church upon baptism as well. So we'll do that in just a second. Okay, you ready, Tommy? I baptize you, Tommy, in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Ghost. 
Praying likes of his death. Praise and likes of his resurrection. All right, this is Tom uh, Sr. Tom, I baptize you, my brother, in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Ghost, praying likes of his death. Praise and likes of his resurrection. And uh, you can't see Esther, but Esther's right over here. So all in favor of voting in the Garretts as members of our church, say aye. aye. All right, it carries. Welcome. Chris, can you come down? Okay, and then you guys can. Okay, so we have uh, Chris, uh, Amy, and uh, Rooster, and then their daughters. Go ahead, Amy, come on in. And uh, we've been going through discipleship as well, and they understand they've been saved. In fact, uh, Chris got saved a few months ago, and Amy a few months before that. And so they want to follow Lord in baptism, and their daughters as well, who've been saved, and they're going to be getting baptized, and then we'll vote them in next, okay? Do you guys want to see? Okay. All right. I baptize you, my sister, in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Ghost, praying like of his death. Praise and like of his resurrection. And then this is Chris. Chris, my brother, I baptize you in the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Ghost, for the likes of his death. Praise and likes of his resurrection. <laughs> All in favor of uh, voting in Chris and Amy and Summer and Jura, say aye. All right, it carries. Welcome to the family. This is Jura, the older sister of the two summer. And uh, I baptize you, Jura, in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, for the likes of his death. Praise and likes of his resurrection. All right, this is Summer. Summer, I baptize you, my sister, in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Ghost, for the likes of his death. Praise and likes of his resurrection. All right, and the servant said, Lord, is commanded, and yet there is room. Well, what a blessing to see two families like that follow the Lord in baptism. It's been a wonderful day in the Lord. Amen? Amen. Great message, great spirit. Now, let's uh, bow our heads for a word of prayer as we dismiss. Father, you're so kind to us. Thank you for what you're doing, how you're touching lives, seeing people come to faith in Christ and grow in the Lord. And bless, dear Lord, not only our church, but all throughout this country, churches and around the world that stand on the Word of God and proclaim your Word. We pray that you'll be with everyone this afternoon. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you.